everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will explain why leverage can be the best option to consider for enhancing return in your portfolio and achieving your goals. Joining me here on the line for the conversation today, I'm glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Dan Scansaroli, Head of Portfolio Strategy Americas, Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas, and Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, all with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Dan, Leslie, Justin, thank you very much for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having us. So Dan, Leslie, Justin, I know our conversation today will focus on the most recent Investment Strategy Insights piece. Title is How Leverage Can Be the Best Option to Enhance Your Returns and Achieve Your Goals. Though to set the stage, looking at the current market environment, a Leslie, historically low interest rates have resulted in investors having to consider alternative approaches in order to achieve return. So before we dive into approach, Leslie, can you set the stage by explaining how we got to where we are today with respect to rates? Sure. I mean, I think before we even discuss about where we are today, let's just take a quick look at in terms of where we came from. And if you, if everyone recalls that in 2019, the yield curve was actually inverted. And by inverted, I mean that the short end being LIBOR was actually higher than what, what the 10-year Treasury yield was. When this occurs normally, it precedes what we call a recession. So if you look at the yield curve inversions, you know, normally that's a telltale sign that a recession could be on the way. Now, we all know that very few of us, or any of us, predicted something such as a COVID shutdown, even commodity, even combined with things such as a commodity price war, which occurred in March of 2020. But because of the shutdown, what we had was an extraordinary amount of monetary and fiscal stimulus enter into the global uh, central banks and global environment, which pushed down yields very quickly. And when I say where we came from, it's important to note that also, with combined with all this accommodation, the Fed eased 125, 150 basis points in 2020 very quickly. The, where the where the very quickly comes important is the fact that the move in interest rates that we saw occurred fast, but also it's kept interest rates down because a lot of the stimulus that they put in to prevent a recession that could have been one of a, a longer-term nature, so we, such as we saw during the great financial crisis, you know, what they've done is they've held interest rates down. So in order to hold interest rates down, they've kept accommodated in terms of the quantitative easing. They've kept the short end, especially LIBOR, you know, T-bills, um, anything, anything what we consider very short end, very, very low. So now we have a yield curve that is upward sloping, but we have that upward sloping yield curve in combination with very low interest rates. So as an environment, when we think about how going forward as an investor, you may not be able to earn an outright yield that is attractive. However, when it comes to enhancing or being able to borrow, these costs are still very low. Well, thank you, Leslie, for that rate backdrop. Very helpful to start the conversation. So uh, the alternative approaches to achieving return, as cited within the publication, are increase allocations to risk assets or use portfolio leverage. So, uh, Dan, let's maybe run with the latter for a few moments. Can you explain what portfolio leverage is and the opportunity that this approach offers to investors? 
Absolutely. Um, portfolio leverage is a method to enhance returns by taking a loan against the value of your current assets, otherwise known as collateralizing your assets, and then using the proceeds of that loan to invest in a new portfolio, which can generate returns in addition to your current portfolio. That's effectively providing leverage. As you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, traditionally investors will sell bonds to allocate more to equities when they want higher return potential. However, a borrowing strategy like this does not require investors to sell any assets in their current portfolio. Um, investors are able to maintain their diversified portfolio, avoid re realizing any capital gains and taxes that are associated with that, and potentially increase returns more efficiently per unit of risk. Um, than reallocating. By maintaining your current mix of assets, additionally, the bonds can continue to help mitigate risk off scenarios where equities you know, are, are in drawdown, while the equities, in, when we're in that, that growth phase, they can continue to help you grow capital with a smoother ride because of the bonds that are in the portfolio and the diversification benefits. Now, while borrowing strategies clearly offer investors opportunity today, a given, of course, where rates are, we do need to consider that the global economy is on the mend and rates should gradually gradually rise as a result of that. So, Leslie, what is the Chief Investment Office's rate outlook, and does value exist with this approach when rates are higher? Yes, yes, it absolutely does. Let's first start with the CIO's outlook. You know, as we know, the global economy is not recuperating, if you will, at the same speed. The U.S. has been has been a little bit better in terms of vaccine rollouts. It's had you know strengthened the economy a little bit earlier than we what we saw in other regions such as Europe. And because because every segment of the world in terms of recovering from this COVID is not actually at the same speed, more than likely this accommodation will last for a fairly you know long period of time, you know, when it comes to global accommodation. With that said, you know, interest rates are not siloed, right? So interest rates are globalized. You know, the Fed looks at what's happening overseas, the Fed looks at what's happening, you know, not just in the U.S. because we're all interrelated. However, because our economy has grown, you know, fairly, you know, at a much faster pace than others, more than likely, our, our Fed before others will start to become a bit more hawkish and, and raise interest rates, you know, over the next, you know, year or two. With that said, they will be very cautious about that. So we expect interest rates to rise, but not to spike. And there's a big difference in terms of rising and spiking than what we think about the magnitude. And we always say when it comes to performance, it's not or whether it's a risk asset or even just holding a treasury, it's not necessarily the absolute level, but how quickly you get there. So it's that velocity, you know, and we don't think you're going to have this large spike. So in the sense, that is a good thing, right? So as interest rates rise, but not spike. When it comes to is borrowing, these borrowing strategies still prudent when interest rates rise? And the question is absolutely. I think the difference comes into the fact, and we, and we wrote about this in the piece, is whether or not an investor would prefer a fixed or floating rate. Today, in today's environment, interest rates are very low. You know, we like these, you know, a fixed rate is more beneficial, in our opinion, than a floating rate. During times, believe it or not, when the yield curve is inverted, such as 2019, that's when sometimes a floating rate becomes better than a fixed. And that might seem counterintuitive because the interest rate may initially appear higher. However, because things like inversions of the yield curve precede 
more than likely a recession over time that interest rates come down. So in essence, you don't have to have a low interest rate environment you know, for these types of strategies to be successful. It just might alter what type of borrowing strategy that you use. Okay, so now that we have a clearer picture as to the trajectory of rates as well as the global economic recovery, uh, Dan, can you expand a bit on the advantages of applying leverage today while rates remain at historically low levels? Yeah, the, the challenge that investors typically face is that rates are too high for leverage to be a feasible strategy. And in this, in this environment, it, it, our assessment that, uh, that it actually created a incredible opportunity for most clients to effectively benefit. In order to actually benefit the overall portfolio, it needs to outperform the cost of the loan. Um, and so in short, the lower the rate, the bigger boost in return potential leverage can provide. Uh, the portfolio needs that performs. It's it's that much easier in order to generate out you know outsized returns using portfolio leverage. For example, when we forecast returns on our moderately aggressive house view portfolio, we project an annualized return of about six point six percent over the next few market cycles. If you employ twenty percent leverage with a cost of three and a quarter percent. We expect those returns to be enhanced and increased to about 7.2%. Uh, when we compare that to our aggressive house view portfolio, which is the next risk profile higher, the portfolio with 20% leverage actually is expected to outperform with basically the same volatility. So you can be much more. Um, if an investor is able to borrow at even less cost than three and a quarter, let's say 2%, the return, return pickup is even higher with the expectation of about 6% on that modest portfolio, almost 1% higher than the unleveraged equivalent portfolio that may hold right now. And you know, lastly, I would be remiss if I didn't note um, that even though we don't provide tax advice, um, you know, some clients may actually be able to write off interest payments uh, um, of, of the loan against income effectively lowering the cost of the loan, enhancing tax return from utilizing leverage. Thank you for that, Dan. So at this point, I do want to bring Justin Waring into the conversation. Uh, Justin, can you take a few moments to walk us through the risks involved with this approach and how best to determine the right amount of leverage for a particular portfolio or circumstance? Thank you, Dan. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, that you know, uh, Dan just mentioned one reason why investors might not have paid attention to borrowing strategies in the past, which was not enough uh, expected return potential to cost hurdle. That, I think, you know, pretty solidly with these low interest rates for many investors, we're going to be able to, to get over that hurdle. But the other reason that investors are sometimes concerned about using leverage is because there's a risk that they'll need to cover the loan uh, during a market down. They will have something that we call a margin call, where they're forced investments during a drawdown, which leaves their portfolio depleted as if the money uh, during the drawdown and then the capital to recover in the ensuing market recovery. And and so obviously we want to avoid that at all costs because that if we have those types of things happen, we're not going to be able to take advantage of the full potential return increase that we leverage. So in order to make sure that we address this risk, we simulated 
the global financial crisis for all of our portfolios at different levels of leverage to make sure that we, we outlined leverage amounts that would provide a significant uh, buffer against any margin call during a repeat of that global financial crisis drawdown, which was the worst drawdown we saw since the Great Depression. Um, so as a result of that analysis, for every portfolio, you get a different amount of portfolio leverage that, that you can take. Um, obviously, if you've got a more conservative portfolio, the drawdowns are less. Um, and as a result, you could lever a, a higher amount. Uh, whereas aggressive portfolios, you get a very large drawdown, and uh, our, our, our advice would be for a much lower amount of, of portfolio leverage. But in any case, um, our maximum recommended leverage amounts would vary between about 15% and 30%, depending on the aggressiveness of your portfolio, depending on how much allocation you have to stocks, credit, and other risk assets. Um, but to address your second question, how much leverage should you take? Time horizon, the borrowing costs uh, on your portfolio. And this is a really important thing to think about. Next time you talk with your financial advisor, if you're thinking about, should I sell some bonds and buy more stocks or should I use portfolio leverage? Um, what you can do is take your own, um, your own portfolio and, the, and option A and option B and compare them to one another. Um, it may very well be the case that some investors, the borrowing cost is too high to, to take advantage of portfolio leverage. Something to discuss with your financial advisor um, in the next time you meet with them. Okay, so maybe as a closing point, Justin, uh, putting this all in context to the UBS Wealthway, how can borrowing help an investor with achieving goals? It's a great question, Dan. And at the end of the day, that's, how, that's the lens through which we make a lot of our investment decisions. Not just I want to have the most money or I want to pay the lowest amount of taxes, but uh, how can I achieve my goals with the highest probability of success? How can I you know, get over the hurdles uh, to, to my financial success and reduce the role of luck in achieving my goals and supporting my family to making a difference in my community? And so when we view borrowing in the context of achieving goals, there's really four main reasons that we think that investors should consider borrowing strategies. The first reason would be to borrow against your portfolio to give you a bridge loan and give you liquidity instead of selling your portfolio assets and realizing capital gains uh, and missing out on, on investment returns. So um, I think that, that applies in a lot of cases. If, if someone has an emergency short-term expense, if they're buying a house now and selling one of their other properties later and they just need to, to sort of get capital today. Uh, the second reason to consider portfolio leverage is to increase diversification. So if you have a portfolio that includes a concentrated stock position with low cost basis, you don't really want to pay the taxes to, to, to sell that investment, perhaps. Borrowing against that, invest, that investment asset to build a more diversified portfolio can actually help get you on, on track to diversifying your risk a little bit more. Uh, the third reason to consider portfolio leverage is to increase your return potential. And that's really what we've been talking about throughout this conversation. Um, using portfolio leverage explicitly to buy more investments uh, and earn the extra return above the borrowing cost. And the fourth reason is to mitigate taxes. Um, Dan mentioned one of the ways that, that borrowing strategies can help you mitigate taxes if you're able to uh, deduct the interest costs from, from, your, uh, from your taxes. Uh, 
Um, another reason that portfolio leverage could help to mitigate taxes is there are certain estate planning techniques where you fund an irrevocable trust using portfolio loans. Uh, that allows you to essentially get things out of your taxable estate without having to sell investments and lock in capital gains. There are lots of other, other uh, examples of that as well. So those are the, the four main reasons. And when we put those together in the Wealthway framework, they really help us see across the what we call the liquidity, longevity, and legacy strategies, um, how can we use portfolio leverage to build a purpose-built investment approach that's really catered to the specifics of your family's objectives and, and resources. Well, Justin, Dan, Leslie, very educational conversation today. So thank you very much for joining us here on the Top of the Morning podcast to walk us through a portfolio leverage approach for achieving return of the advantages, the risks involved, and putting it all in context of UBS Wealthway. So thank you again for your time and insights and for joining our listeners and clients today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Again, today we've been joined by Dan Scanzarelli, Head of Portfolio Strategy Americas, a Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas, and Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas, all with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. Uh, these resources can all be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which ties right into our conversation today, the latest Investment Strategy Insights publication, a title is How Leverage Can Be the Best Option to Enhance your returns and achieve your goals, which was authored on July 22nd. So for clients of UBS, uh, do be sure to contact your financial advisor if you do have any follow-up questions based on what you've heard on today's podcast, or if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Time frames may vary. Strategies are subject to individual client goals, objectives, and suitability. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.